Well, there was an absolute miracle on Wednesday. Did you catch it? There was peace in our nation's capital. For one day, Republicans and Democrats, specifically past presidents and our current president, were able to share the same pew and not argue or send ugly tweets about one another. There was peace in our nation's capital. Hallelujah. It was a miracle. You know, peace is hard to find sometimes. Our nation's capital is divided by Republicans and Democrats. There continues to be clear racial division in our country as Unfortunately, white supremacist groups become more visible and concerns over racial profiling persist. The socioeconomic division continues to grow. I read in Forbes magazine that the top 1% now own 40% of the nation's wealth, the largest ever in 50 years. And with the growing popularity of the hashtag MeToo movement, there's clearly a gender divide in our country as well as as men have been able to get away with mistreating women for, for much, much too long. And there continues to be a pay gap between men and women. So there are so many things that can divide us as a country, poor and rich, Democrat and Republican, male and female, Longhorns and Sooners, <laughs> Cowboys and Eagles. I've got an Eagles fan over here. David Mullen is boldly wearing a Philadelphia Eagles tie. When the Cowboys are going to play him at 3.30. No, no, we're people of grace and peace. We won't boo our brother David. That is courageous, though, i got to say. Well, yeah, they'll probably disappoint. You know, it's interesting. Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount that we are called to be peacemakers. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. We're called to be the kind of people who bring peace to conflicted relationships. So how do we do that exactly? How can we be peacemakers exactly? Well, if we look at the words of Jesus, we'll see that quite clearly we're called to be peacemakers by resisting the temptation to judge others and taking the log out of our own eye before we look at the speck in our brother or sister's eye. We're called to be peacemakers by, as Jesus says in Matthew 18, meeting with people one-on-one so that we might reconcile and resolve our conflict where there is tension. We're called to be peacemakers by ultimately living out the golden rule, treating others the way that we would like to be treated. Yes, as followers of Jesus, we are called to be peacemakers, the kind of people who work for peace, reconciliation. After all, as Orlando pointed out in the Isaiah text, we follow the Prince of Peace. Jesus is described in Isaiah as the Prince of Peace because ultimately he came to bring peace between us And God, through his perfect sacrifice on a cross, by paying the price for our sins with his death on a cross, Jesus has brought reconciliation between us and God. Our sins have been atoned for, and now we can approach the throne of grace with boldness, knowing that our God loves us and he receives us and welcomes us. As the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God, Through our Lord Jesus Christ. As followers of Jesus, we know that we now have peace with God. We're also called to have peace with one another. But that's not always easy easy to come by, is it? And as followers of God, we know that the Holy Spirit now dwells within us so that we should bear fruits of the Spirit like peace. So as followers of the Prince of Peace who are called to be peacemakers, why don't we always experience God's peace? Why don't we always feel God's peace within us? 
If you've been following the financial markets lately, you know that this week was another bad week for the stock market. Concerns over trade with China, dropping oil prices, and bear market predictions have led people to become anxious and to sell their stocks. And so the market declines and our retirement accounts decline and people quickly can become anxious having no peace within us. It's financial strains, family disputes, unexpected illnesses like my cold that I got yesterday, stress at work, relational conflict, The general busyness of life can disrupt our peace, can it not? So how can we make sure that we always have the peace of Christ, that we experience Christ's peace regardless of our circumstances? To find out how we might have the peace of Christ always within us, I would encourage you to open your pew Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 14, beginning with verse 25. It may be found on page 1147 of your red pew Bible, John chapter 14, beginning with verse 25. And before I read this text, I want to give a little bit of background. In John 13, Jesus has just uh, had the last Passover or instituted the Lord's Supper in the upper room with his disciples. He has humbly washed his disciples' feet. He has given them a new commandment, uh, a new command I give to you in John 13, 34 to 35. We read, A new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. By this all will know you are my disciples, if you love one another. Yes, Jesus has been exhorting them to love each other. He's been showing them what it means to sacrificially put the needs of others before your own by washing his disciples' feet, humbling himself, doing a job that only a slave would do. Not even a Jewish slave would have to wash someone else's feet. And then Jesus tells Judas Iscariot to do what he was prompted to do by by Satan, to go and betray. And so Judas leaves the room. And now that Judas is gone from the upper room, Jesus begins to explain to his disciples that he will be leaving them soon. And where he is going, they cannot come. Jesus is predicting his own death on a cross. And his disciples become very anxious because they spent the last three years with Jesus, wondering why, Jesus, you would go anywhere where we could not follow. We've spent our lives following you. We've given everything up to follow you. Jesus, why would you ever leave us? And then Jesus offers these comforting words to know that while he may be leaving them, they will not be alone. John chapter 14, beginning with verse 25. Before I read God's word, let's call upon his spirit again to guide us in the reading and preaching of his holy word. Please join me as you pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you inspired John to put pen to paper so we might have your written word today. God, we pray that by your spirit you would guide us now, that as we read your word, you might speak to us, that we might hear from you. That the words of my lips and the meditation of all of our hearts might be acceptable in your holy sight. Through your son's precious name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. John chapter 14, beginning with verse 25. Listen to the word of the Lord. Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Here in the reading of God's word, as the prophet Isaiah tells us, the grass withers and the flower fades. The word of our Lord stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. 
But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Jesus' disciples are anxious at the thought that Jesus could somehow leave them. They have been following him for so long. He has been their guide, their leader, their teacher. But Jesus comforts them to know that the, the helper, the Holy Spirit, specifically in the Greek, it's the parakletos. The parakletos was a term that would be often used in ancient Greek to talk about an attorney who would help give counsel to his clients. So the Holy Spirit will serve as our counselor, our guide, our helper, our teacher, who will remind us of all that Jesus has done. Yes, if we want to have continual peace here on this earth, the peace that Jesus came to bring to us, not a, a fleeting peace. You know, he says, I give you my peace, not as the world gives. The word for peace in Hebrew is shalom. People would often use shalom as a greeting and kind of like we do today. We'd say like, hey, how are you doing? And, and we're expecting them to say fine and, and we just kind of move on our way and, but if they ever actually stop and tell us how they're really doing, we were like, whoa, what? You're, you're... It, it kind of throws us, right? So we say howdy or how you doing and keep on walking. That was how shalom had become. Shalom is a Hebrew word that we read in Isaiah, the prince of peace, the prince of shalom. And shalom is not just absence of warfare or conflict. Shalom is wholeness, peace. It's contentment, specifically defined as in our relationship with God. God brings us shalom. It's not something we can manufacture. In order for us to have this shalom, this peace that Jesus came to bring, we're going to need to listen, believe, and obey the Holy Spirit. If we look at our text closely, we can see that the abiding peace that Jesus promises in verse 27 is ultimately found in the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives, the Holy Spirit's constant presence in our lives. After all, one of the fruits of the Spirit is peace. And we can't have that peace without the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And the Holy Spirit comes to us and we, our bodies become a temple of the Holy Spirit as we put our faith in Jesus. But this peace won't be experienced all the time unless we take the time we need to listen, believe, and obey the words of the Holy Spirit. So how can we hear the Holy Spirit speaking to us today? Does the Holy Spirit speak in an audible voice to us today? Well, sometimes... But most oftentimes, if we really want to hear the Holy Spirit speak, we need to read this. The Word of God that the Holy Spirit helped inspire. Notice in verse 26 of our text, John, uh, Jesus says, But the Helper, the Paraclete, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The emphasis of the Holy Spirit's work is to remind the disciples of all that Jesus has already taught them. The Holy Spirit's job is not so much to focus on new revelation, but rather to bring to mind things that Jesus has already taught us, things that Jesus has already done for us. And this is important for us as 21st century believers to understand because we know that the Gospel of John was actually the fourth Gospel written. It was written many years after Jesus had died and risen from the dead. But we can have confidence in this, the Gospel of John being a faithful testimony because it was the Holy Spirit who inspired John to remember all that Jesus said, like the beautiful I am statements, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Or when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Or, or when Jesus says, I am the great I am. Yes, the Holy Spirit inspired John's gospel as he did all the writers of Scripture. And so we can know with full confidence that if we want to hear the Holy Spirit speak to us, we simply need to read 
his holy, inspired word. We need to spend time in silence, solitude, meditating and memorizing God's word. Sure, it's true the Holy Spirit can speak to us through other saints, but the only way we can truly measure whether or not another follower of Christ is speaking a word to us from God is if it's consistent with the word of God. Because God will not contradict himself. Whatever words people may give and say, well, I have a word from the Lord for you, the only way we can be sure that it's the word from the Lord is that it will be consistent with what Christ teaches. It's the Holy Spirit is not so much into new revelation, but is more focused on reminding us of all that Jesus has already said and done. Are we listening to God's word this Advent season? And just as importantly, are we believing all that Jesus is saying to us, all that God is saying to us through his holy, inspired word? Listen to what God has to say to us this Christmas season in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The good news of Christmas is that in Jesus Christ, God is Emmanuel. God is with us. Do we believe that? That God is always with us. That nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, as we read in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 to 39. Listen to what God tells us in Luke 1, 31, another wonderful Advent text this season. And the angel Gabriel says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus. The angel Gabriel tells Mary the virgin that she is miraculously going to give birth to a baby boy, and she's to name him Jesus, which means Yahweh saves. Yes, God sent his son to this earth, not just to be with us, but ultimately to save us. By living in perfect obedience to our Heavenly Father. By doing for us what we can never do for ourselves. Having a life of perfect obedience. And then dying as the perfect sacrifice for our sins with his death on a cross. And then conquering sin and death on the third day when he rose again. Yes, Jesus came to this earth not just to be with us, but ultimately to save us. And listen to what God tells us in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 to 11. Another powerful Advent text. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, is for all people. Cowboy fans and eagle fans. All people. Black and white. Brown and red. Green. If there were green people. It'd be good news for good green people. Yes, the good news of the gospel is for everyone. So are we sharing that good news with others? Are we inviting others to hear that good news this Christmas season? <coughs> yes, the Bible will only be words on a page until we take the time we need to read, believe, and obey. If we really want to experience the peace of Christ, we need to not only read the word of God, believe the word of God, but ultimately we need to seek to obey. For as we read the word of God, we can see quite clearly that we are called to be a peacemakers, people who share the peace of Christ with others, tell them the good news of God's amazing love that we have in Jesus Christ, to go and make disciples as Jesus has commissioned us to do his final words in the gospel of Matthew. We're called to be peacemakers, people who work for reconciliation, do the hard work of reconciliation by 
meeting with those people one-on-one who have offended us, praying for our enemies, loving everyone as we love ourselves, treating others the way we would like to be treated. That's where true peace is found. Hearing the Holy Spirit, believing what he has to say through his inspired word, and ultimately obeying. May we all seek to take the time we need this Christmas season to hear the Holy Spirit speak to us through Scripture, to believe all that he has to say, and ultimately, by the Spirit's power, seek to obey what he's called us to do. Please join me as we pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that you're the God who speaks to us today. You speak most clearly to us through your word. The word made flesh, Jesus Christ, as we read about in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. As we read these familiar Advent texts this morning, God, I pray that you might speak afresh and anew to us, that we might hear exactly what you're telling us, that you're the God who came to this earth not just to be with us, but ultimately to save us. And you've given us good news that is for everyone. So Lord, help us to be bold in our invitation to others, that we might invite them to join us in the celebration that you are Emmanuel, God with us in Jesus Christ. You are the one who came to save us all, and you're the one who's made yourself known to us so that we might faithfully obey you today. Lord, help us to take the time we need to listen to your word, to believe your word, and ultimately to obey. We pray this in the strong and precious name of your Son, who is the Christ, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.